The Catholics of Oz is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to episode 81 of The Catholics of Oz. The Catholics of Oz is a show where we discuss faith, culture, and what's been happening from an Aussie perspective. Whether it's synods or science, apostolates and apps, providence or productivity, you can hear it right now on The Catholics of Oz. Hello, I'm Lindsay Sant, and welcome to episode one, or 81, of The Catholics <laughs> of Oz. Caroline, I'm having trouble counting today. Uh, I'm Lindsay Sant, and uh, welcome, and I'll try and get my numbers ready uh, like much better from now on. Um, but to move away from my stumbling, I'll quickly move over and, and uh, reintroduce my sister, Caroline Knight. Caroline, how are you today? Hello, Lindsay. Um Excuse me, you can hear from my voice. I could be a bit better. Winter is not my friend, but that's all right. We can persevere. Yes. Yeah, you're braving through. So we'll we'll see how we go today. Yeah. And uh, if you if you hear that deafening silence, that's the absence of Lino. So yeah. Lino is off on holidays yeah. uh, at the moment. He's having a good time in the the Wit Sundays. The lucky guy, lucky boy. So him and him and Bernadette are having that uh, a week and a half there. I think. Yeah, it is. So I think it's a long overdue holiday. They'll, they'll have to tell us all about it. Yeah, so um, Lino and Bernadette were actually texting photos uh, to us, uh, you know, and I was thinking maybe I should just print one out and put it, you know, on a wall and look at that instead of looking mm. out my window. Yeah. Yeah, just a, a lot more, a lot more relaxing. So anyway, a bit better than the the windy, squally, yeah, cloudy weather we're having at the moment. Very hard to make anyone jealous of our weather. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we'll get Lino to tell us all about it, and then we'll tell him we don't want to know <laughs> next episode. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can start talking. We like no. Nah, sorry, no. Nah, we don't no want to know about your holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, if you're so new- supportive. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. We're we're good friends like that. Yeah. We don't want to know about your holiday. <laughs> just come back, get on the podcast, and talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Poor Lido. All right. So if you're new to listening to the Catholics of Oz, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating and some positive feedback, mostly so that Caroline can feel better, like, you know, health-wise and so on. But otherwise, <laughs> yeah. but otherwise, uh, because it helps us to reach new people as well. And that's, uh, we love building community and hearing from um, people who listen to the show and, and, um, and chatting with them. SQPN also hosts the Catholics of Oz and all of its shows on YouTube. So just search SQPN and then subscribe there. And don't forget to hit the bell to get notifications when new episodes of this show and all of our shows are released. So, Caroline, let's kick it off with Faith Beyond Borders. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Spiritually, ecumenically. How do you make somebody love you without affecting free will? Welcome to my world, son. You come up with an answer to that one, you let me know. Yes, I had to work very hard to pass... Latin and theology? Oh, quite. Those are, of course, the most important things. Oh, yeah. I'd sit this one out, Cap. I don't see how I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. 
Right, so last episode, Carol and I embarked on the epic journey of doing a bit of a breakdown on the plenary council that's been happening or that has happened in the Australian Catholic Church. A very important moment, I think, for us to pay attention to. I think Catholics should know something about what the bishops um, have been talking about along with um, with the guests, the 200 plus guests um, and advisors who are there as well. It's important for us to know what's happening in our church and ways that we can you know, link up, support you know, advance the mission of the church and all those kinds of things. So uh, in the previous uh, um, episode, I spoke about um, it had to do with um, uh, indigenous involvement in the church. And the second one was about um, something else. And I can't remember what it was, but it was important. I'll let you look it up. We're, we're both having mental blanks today. Uh, <laughs> but uh, today I'm talking about another one that's really important, and that is Missionary discipleship, so that the church uh, through list, through listening, and this is the key thing: this process of being um, synodal, as they say. So I've seen online that um, people either love hearing about synodality or they get sick of hearing about it straight away. I don't know why. I don't know why, but because the key thing is, I mean, look, the, the church struggles sometimes to come up with words that make things sound good, but you know, we're not necessarily an, an, an advertising company, you know, maybe simple words. Yeah. Like no one's going to wear a t-shirt that says, take the synodal way, you know, anything like that. <laughs> However, nobody will know what you're talking yeah, about. It's yeah. Like, what? yeah. But, um, what? synodal, is that like a medicine or something? You know, is that yeah, cough medicine? Yeah. Is that a biological thing? Or? Yeah. Take synodal. <laughs> uh, but the key thing, but the thing is it is an important word. Um, in the sense that it is all of us as Catholics taking the way together, following Christ together, being the face of Christ, being the hands and the feet of Christ on earth together. That's what that's what synodal is all about. And it involves us listening to each other and it involves us working together as church to to advance the kingdom of God on earth. And that's what I'm going to be sharing today about the church's intention. So you ready to go, Caroline? Ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, this decree I'm doing it on its own because um, it's a it's a rather lengthy one. So I figure rather than doing two this time, I'll just do one, and then um, I'll speed up on some of those those shorter um, decrees in in future episodes. So this one um, is called "Called by Christ, Sent Forth as Missionary Disciples," and there's a the first paragraph is actually a beautiful summary of of what this means. So I thought I might just read this one in its entirety and then summarize some of the other ones later on. So here's what the here's what the document says in this decree. It says, "God's covenant with creation, made new in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, is fashioned, sustained, and nourished by the gift of the Holy Spirit." who calls together the community of disciples, the church, privileged to share in Jesus' mission. The triune God revealed in Jesus Christ continuously overflows into the work and beauty of creation. In the incarnation, the word becomes flesh and dwells among, among us as the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Jesus embodies the depths of God's love so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. This proclamation of the kingdom or reign of God is at the heart of Jesus' mission. The church exists in and for the world. Through the grace of the Holy Spirit, it incarnates Christ's love for the world, just as Christ incarnates God's love for the world. To be Christ-centered missionary disciples requires loving attention to our world, which is marked by both sin and grace, prayerfully reading the signs of the times in the light of the gospel, seeking to grasp the meaning of things, 
and to discern God's will under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So I'll just pause there, Caroline, for a second, because that I think that paragraph is so they they do have Pariti or you know theologians and advisors on the sidelines who um, who consult and you know feed the bishops and and the other people present with you know with the theology that underpins you know things or whatever. That for me is a great summary of the you know of God's presence with us, you know, salvation history, God's covenant with humanity, you know, uh, revealed and brought further through Christ into, you know, expressed into the mission of the church guided by the Holy Spirit, the church who exists in the world today and listens to the world today and then uh, and then brings forth, um, you know, Christ to the world, reading the signs of the times. And reading the signs of the times, I love, is, I love it because it's a phrase that was used by Pope John uh, the 23rd when he called the Second Vatican Council, and he was doing the same thing. He was saying, we need to renew the church that by reading the signs of the times, listening to the world, and then uh, and uh, proclaiming Christ to the world by learning what we know about it. So society changes all the time, as we know, and the church doesn't keep up with society because, because society changes so rapidly. That's just, you know, now this information age, it's worse and worse, the changes, and it's very hard to keep up with everything. So the only way to, and when I say keep up, I mean, is in know the conditions of people's lives so the gospel can be proclaimed to it is, is what I'm getting at. Uh, so um, this is what I think the, that opening is saying is the church in Australia is also trying to configure itself to listen to people today and understand their lives so that the gospel can be proclaimed to their lives in a way that it speaks to them because Christ speaks to all of us, but God's people need to speak in a way, you know, share Christ in a way that's understandable. Um, and you know, not, not in a, something that sounds like a foreign language and you don't just walk up to a random person and say, Hey, let's be a synod all together. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know, the, the language matters and, and the expression matters and the, the person who proclaims it matters too, the, the way that they proclaim as well. Because we don't want to go go ahead and say, "Hey, there, sinner, <laughs> um, you're, <laughs> no. you're not a great person." But you know, God will make you a great person. It's got to be, you know, obviously, <laughs> relationship matters. It's not proclaiming God from a distance, but it's actually proclaiming God in the relationships that we have, and in the relationships that we form going forward as well. I've just thrown a ton of things there, but what? How does that sound so far, Caroline? Yes, good as always. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right, so um, I'll move. I'll move it forward then. And again, I'm not going to read every single thing because this is quite a large document. But we'll provide a link in the um, in the show notes if anyone else would like to investigate it a bit further. However, one of the things that um, in the summary at the beginning that comes from the the council is that uh, shaping communities centered on Christ and centered by the sent by the Holy Spirit is an important part of this. So the call to discipleship is an integral part of the gospel. Each of us is called by our baptism to be a missionary disciple, hearing and responding to God's invitation to follow Christ with joy. As a people anointed with the oil of gladness, all the baptized share in Christ's threefold office that is priestly, prophetic, and royal. So this is the idea that all of us were baptized and we're called then to, um, to proclaim the gospel by following God, not proclaiming our own gospel, but proclaiming Christ's gospel, uh, what, what Christ is calling us to do. Sometimes we interpret the gospel in our own way, and we think that we've got it all, but the, the, the humbling thing is none of us have it all. Christ has it all. And so if we want to be able to share the gospel fairly through our baptism, then we need to constantly renew our relationship with Christ and realize that through our baptism, we're given a mission where we are disciples of Christ, this missionary disciples, and the mission is God's mission. 
we have to remember that all the time. I remember um, studying uh, when I first started my master's, which I'll hopefully finish very soon now, fingers crossed, mm-hmm. um, by God's grace. But um, when I started my master's, uh, the it was about the, the first topic was about the mission of Catholic schools. And the lecturer was very clear, said the mission of a Catholic school is God's mission. Full stop. That's it. So what does that mean? So we have to translate that mission into our schools. What, what does that look like? And so as baptized, we continue, we carry out God's mission, not our own mission, what we think it is, but God's mission. So uh, it goes on to say that uh, in this way, the church is called to attend with integrity and compassion to the great issues impacting respect for life and its protection at all stages, including issues of contraception, abortion, reproductive technologies, and euthanasia. The church is also called to facilitate the inclusion and, and address the needs of people with disability, the needs of the frail, elderly, refugees, the trafficked, newcomers, those with, with mental illness, and to work to protect Australians' right to religious belief and practice. So I think that's, that talks about missionary disciples, not only in proclaiming the gospel, but being, uh, being contributors to society. So they talk about being in the public square. So what's talked about in public square, all of those issues above. And so being, uh, it says being uh, contributors with uh, compassion and with integrity. And I think this is the key thing as well. Like if we look at um, debates in other parts of the world, I try to say that very carefully. People know what I'm talking about, but people are yelling at each other, aren't they? They're yelling at each other about so. these issues. Yeah, and yeah, and has, yeah. it, has it solved the issues? Has decades of yelling resolved anything? It hasn't really. Uh, it's made people... It tends to cause more division, doesn't yeah, it, really? People are more embittered. Uh, people are yeah. trying to criticise others into goodness, and that never works. No, so you're, no. You're, you're, it, yeah, yeah, how are you going to respond if someone gives you some negative comments all the time? Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make you want to get better, does it? Yeah. It's, you've got to do it with charity and love. Yeah, That's it. And I think that's where the integrity and compassion really matter. Now, that doesn't mm. mean you can't be strong. You know, you're not going to be a pushover when it comes, mm. you know, so, all right, we'll believe anything, you know. It's not, you know but at the same time, in, in our own application, we don't do it from a position of power and dominance over others. We do it from from the way that God looks at the world. God looks at the world with love, and so we need to do that as well. So I just thought I'd throw that in there, and I do love that the um, you know the, the, this issue. And again, I'm not trying to be controversial, so please don't read me that way, everyone. But the thing is, all of those issues that I just mentioned were lumped together, and I think that's really important, so that we have a consistent life ethic. It's it's everything. It's you know it, it is the it's not just the issues of what happens when a person you know around when a person is born and when a person dies, but everything in between the, the circumstances of life are life issues. The word life is right in there. So I think it's important that that all of it gets taken into account. So, um, and I'm happy for anyone to to challenge me on that if they want to and say some things about it. But moving on, um, the Plenary Council affirms that we need to move from a pastoral ministry of mere conservation to a decidedly missionary pastoral uh, ministry. So I won't say much about that because we've actually talked about this before when we've talked about take the way of the gospel. And it's the same deal. It's that we don't, we're not church to conserve what we have and preserve the, the things that exist. We're church to grow and expand. Um, you know, we're church to, um, to li- like I said, listen to the time, the signs of the times and evangelize where the evangelization of God is, is needed to, to follow God's direction. If we, if we are just preserving what we have and trying to contain what we have and, and hold on to it desperately, we're not doing the work of God. 
Uh, I don't I don't read about, for example, we don't read about the apostles in the early church just trying to hold on to what they have. They're, they're all about proclaiming the word of God to everyone. So it's good that that missionary impulse is there in, in the document too. So it does go on to talk about parish life. And uh, I'll just talk about this last bit here. It says that Pope Francis describes four key characteristics of an evangelizing parish. Um, he said, it is in contact with the homes and the lives of its people. It is an environment for hearing God's word, for growth in the Christian life, for dialogue, proclamation, charitable outreach, worship, and celebration. It encourages and trains its members to be evangelizers. It is a community of communities, a sanctuary where the thirsty come to drink in the midst of their journey, and a center for constant missionary outreach. This is, again, take the way of the gospel. This is where Archbishop Comensoli, um, you know, where this has come from. This is the influence. We're trying to follow Pope Francis in building our parishes to be this community that does all of those things that I've listed. So again, won't go into a lot of detail about it. It's the call of our baptism. We've done an episode on it. So yeah, um, on Take the Way of the Gospel, we, we unpacked this and about the life of parishes. But we are interested if um, anyone who's listening who can tell us about the life of their parish, what works well, what could work better, well, you know, what are the things that need to, ha- to happen. Um, we'd love to hear more about that. Caroline, do you want to comment on that or do you want me to, to keep rolling on? No, I mean, I think, you know, we've got to all be on the same page. We're in the same faith, you know, we're all followers of Jesus Christ. And I think the more we focus on that, the more united our church will be and more united all of us will be. And it's a good thing, you know, so yeah, let's do everything in charity and love and be kind to each other when we're discussing things, you know, as you mentioned. Agreed. So, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think yeah. the, I think I said this last episode too, but I think the plenary council set the mode for that. There were people in that room, the the 200 to 300 plus people who were in that room, bishops and lay people and so on. They didn't all agree with each other on things. They're from different spectrums within the church. If you want to call it, you know, if you want to use those lines, I'm not a fan of these terms, but if you want to use the so-called conservative and progressive and moderate, da da da, they were all in the same room. And the blessing was they actually managed to agree on things. (laughs) You know, did they? I think that... (laughs) The goal is the same, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, in the end, and yes, you may be coming from different angles, but that could be, that's a good thing too, because everybody has different ideas and you bring those ideas together and you collaborate together and you achieve the goal yeah. together. Each one is trying to listen to the spirit. If they're there authentically, they're all yeah. there trying to discern yeah. the will of God. And I think that's a good thing. I, I would love to see a church where people who might categorize themselves into those you know, into those different areas and so on, work together regardless. Mm, um, exactly. And, all right, and if they disagree with each other, good, but disagree charitably and talk about yes. it. Talk about why you disagree. Yeah. Um, exactly. Everyone is, we're all on our own journey to, to try and follow God's will and our communities are supportive environments for that journey and we need communities that aren't divided if we want to support individuals in, in trying to discern God's will in their life too. All right, so more document. It's good. What I love about this document is it does get you thinking. So, like, what's my role? Sure, what's our? It does. Yeah, not just yeah. what's my role, but what's our role? It's the it, the yeah. baptized individual in a community of baptized in a in a church of baptized who all, who are all trying to follow Christ and, and discern God's will for you know for us proclaiming the kingdom. All right, so rolling on. You can see I'm excited by this, by the way. <laughs> so um. 
moving on. Um, so the, and it talks about co-responsibility. We've talked about that too. So, you know, priests and lay working together in parishes to advance and so on. But the plenary council commends the contributions of church ministries and service to, services to society as examples of evangelization through ministry disciple, missionary discipleship. Amidst many challenges, the church makes a unique contribution to Australian society through its ministries and services, particularly those in health, aged care, disability, community services, and education. This has always been a focus of the church professionally in, in supporting those particular areas. So if you think, for example, of, say, Australian Catholic University, what are the main areas in which it offers courses? It offers courses in aged care, health, education, and so on. So it's, it, does, it focuses on those areas, disability, etc. So um, basically, it's the church's mission to the world through education. That's just one example there. Um, so I'm going to move down another section as well. Uh, and this is about building relationships uh, of respect and compassion. So it says here, um, the church which goes forth in community of missionary disciples, disciples who take the first step who are involved and supportive, who bear fruit and rejoice. Missionary discipleship is participation in Jesus' own mission. It is characterized by openness to encounter, hospitality and dialogue with each other, other Christians, people of faith and no faith, and with the human family for the care of our common home. So if you want a summary of our mission, there it is in, in a paragraph. <laughs> so uh, I think that's a, that's a really good summary of what of what we should be concerned with as Catholics. Just as we, are, we were enlivened by the deep listening during the, the plenary council assemblies, we propose formation for all Catholics in the practice of listening so that we might discover in other people a brother or sister to be supported and loved. And this is, again, a really important one because it's about opening our eyes to see others as brothers and sisters, not as enemies, not as political opponents and things like that. What, what if we could see each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, which is what we're called to do. Not just the baptized. Obviously, the baptized, we're meant to be the beacon of this. <laughs> we don't always do it very mm -hmm. well. We're meant to be the no. beacon of what this brother, brotherhood and sisterhood might look like, this fraternal, as Pope Francis calls it, this fraternal relationship. But all people are made in God's image as well. If that's the case, we need to, we need to recognize that um, and not destroy people's lives through words and through putting up barriers and things like that, but actually by, by listening. And we may not agree with people on things, and that's fair enough, but we still need to listen if we're going to move forward and going to understand. And even if we're going to change hearts and minds on, on things that we disagree with people about, the first step is listening. And we've already talked about it's not bashing and criticizing and so on. Uh, so um, moving on then, uh, it goes on to say that mission directs us to the peripheries of society. It calls us to be in active solidarity with those who experience disadvantage or exclusion, including uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, people with disabilities, people on low incomes, refugees and asylum seekers, people experiencing mental health, uh, mental ill health, sorry, and with the exploited earth. Especially important are those who hold grievance against us, those who experience marginalization by the church, and those who are victims of abuse, exclusion, intolerance, and a lack of compassion and understanding. There are deep wounds in our brothers and sisters who are excluded in the church through a lack of mercy by some. The challenge to meet those in pain is to be a church that is able to dialogue and listen without judgment, to hear the voice of Christ, 
in their stories. I think I've just, <laughs> that's pretty much a summary of what I've just said, isn't it? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, you know, again, there are people outside our church who may want to come into the church or may want to know more about it, but they feel like they can't for whatever reason. And it could be because of a history of abuse or a history of neglect. It could be because they had family members who were Catholic, but were not very good to them, all kinds of things. So if we want to go out to the, if we want to find these people, we need to go out to the peripheries and listen. Again, not conserve and just keep the community we have, but, but push that community out to, to listen to others in their relationships and, and embolden them to be, you know, to do their missionary discipleship as well. So uh, I'm just going to uh, roll on a little bit more. Um, and it says here, listening has the power. This is about training people to listen now, you know, encouraging the church to be listeners as well. Has the power to open us to the Spirit's work of transformation, enabling genuine encounter and giving rise to missionary action. During the first assembly, as members of the plenary council, we devoted time to thinking of and praying for people who have experienced marginalization within the church, including Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, women, those who are divorced, those who identify as LGBTIQA+, I got through those letters, and those who have suffered abuse in any form. We express our profound sorrow for, to those who have been hurt through an encounter with the church. We call on members of the church to make our community one in which all baptized find welcome and inclusion. So I'm going to comment on that because it's there. So we, we need to, you know, church, we need to talk, right? We need to, we need to listen. It's uh, so all of those groups there um, uh, in some way, shape or form there. And again, we don't want to generalize. Not every Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander has felt excluded by the church, but many have, right? Not every member of the LGBTQI plus, I'm sure I got that wrong, you know, community has felt excluded by the church, but a lot of them have. And that's the thing that we need to, we need to talk about. And so when people hear that phrase, you know, that combination of letters straight away, sometimes as Catholics, our backs get up, you know, what I mean? we're like, oh, watch out, warning, we can't use those letters, whatever else, we can't use those words. The, the key thing is this, um, let, me, let me mention, first of all, what is the source of that and other groups being mentioned in the document? It's everyday Catholics. How did the process of the plenary start? Five, six years ago, it started by people being able to make their contributions. Again, reading the signs of the times. If the church wants to evangelize, it needs to listen to the voices that are contributing. It needs to know what our society is, who's in it. We can't just pretend that particular groups of people don't exist. They exist. That's it. (laughs) Full stop, isn't it? They exist. So if we want the gospel to reach everyone, we have to know who everyone is. And again, all people are made in God's image, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So we do need to listen and we need to respond compassionately. We need to respond with integrity. This is the document. I'm not making any of this up. This is what our bishops are telling us. And these are all, I think the bishops of Australia are good and faithful bishops who are trying to do the right thing. And they are trying, they have done this, this document, this decree. They've done it by listening to what people of the church have said and people outside the church too. So um, I'm not, going here talking about changing church teaching or anything but what i'm saying is church teaching can be difficult for different groups of people not just you know the um the lgbtqi plus community but people who are divorced people who have suffered from abuse you know how you know how do you say god loves me when a person in god's family has destroyed your life <laughs> you know that and that's that's what i'm getting mm-hmm. at i guess there so um yeah. 
so when I when I talk about these things, I, I encourage people to I guess to listen to what I'm saying, and then and then please respond if you'd like to to you know with your own thoughts as well. But integrity and compassion, you know, if you if you're listening and you want to co- comment on it, you have to use those two things at the same time. Caroline, would you like to comment on that at all? Yeah, well, I agree with you. Um, we are all God's children, whatever form we take. Uh, he created us all. He loves us all. He wants us all to be with him. And so our church needs to um, not exclude anybody in whatever form we come in and just show the compassion and love that Jesus showed to people who were in all shapes and forms. He didn't discriminate against anyone. He sent out the apostles to preach to everyone so that we could all be together in one community under, you know, under all under God's love in his arms, you know. So we all need to feel, we all want to feel his love. We don't know what happened in someone's past. We don't know why someone is the way they are in in terms of, you know, if you've been abused, it can affect you. If you are of the LGBTIQA plus, um, QI, sorry, plus um, community, we don't know why somebody is that, you know, has, has that experience. We can't, if you don't have the experience, you don't understand the experience. So, and I'm, uh, you know, and that may be a controversial statement, but all I'm saying is that, we can't exclude anybody from any race, any religion, any anything, you know, any life circumstance. So, um, yeah, the the idea is to focus on love and to focus on, on Jesus and and how Jesus would treat other people. So and I, if we we if we can do that, we will all be together, you know? Yeah. 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 Um the, the catechism uh, on that particular group of people says all unjust discrimination is to be avoided. So in case yeah. we're, we're being Catholic by talking about this the way we are yeah, too. So that's right. And I'm sure we all know somebody from every life circumstance. We all have friends, family from every single life circumstance, you know? Yeah. So it's it's all it's about being empathetic. Our us ourselves are not perfect. I am not perfect. You know, I'm a sinner just like everybody you know, else. Same I, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I have life circumstances that affect me as well, mm. and I have a personality that reflects life life circumstances. So, I mean, we just all got to be accepting of shapes, forms, colors, whatever. You know, yeah. <laughs> just 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 everybody are we all human we're all human right yeah and i think um the the key thing here for me as well just listening to you is how we respond needs to be informed by our baptism yeah not by what we think is the right or wrong thing but what by by what christ thinks what you know yeah. like you talked about before how how christ approached you know people and whatever else and you're right he sent out disciples to go and evangelize and whatever and some some and their message was accepted by some and rejected by others and that's the way it is and and you know if they're if it's rejected then all right we move on that's fine we you know uh, we're, we tried we're, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is we're not trying to capture anyone it's God. No. And we're just trying to tell yeah. people God's trying to capture you. <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. Um, again, I think of Archbishop Comensoli. Remember, he, he told us about in, in his first episode with us, he said, uh, we, we were saying, how did you become a priest? And he said, God got me. 
Well, yes, you, know, you did say well, that. We just yeah. want to we 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 want to throughout baptism allow people to see that God is trying to get you. <laughs> but yeah, and, yes, and when we say yes. that, we mean to embrace you in a relationship of love and, and let you you know actually, in fact, God is already re- um, embracing us in a relationship of love and wants us to be aware of it and what that relationship means for our lives and where where God is ultimately trying to take us all, which is to to be with Him physically in you know in the life after this one too. Right, let's move on. <laughs> so, as you can see, why I'm very passionate about this document, because this missionary discipleship, it, it goes into every facet of life. It's such an important part of our, our baptism. So, the first uh, assembly proposals, uh, sorry, I'm just going to move on. My apologies. So, the next part is um, seeking communion. We're almost there now, Caroline, so we're getting there. <laughs> right? But under the heading of seeking communion, uh, it is addressed to the members of the plenary assembly of the Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue in 1987. Pope St. John Paul II declared, Just as interreligious dialogue is one element in the mission of the Church, the proclamation of God's saving work in our Lord Jesus Christ is another. There can be no question of choosing one and ignoring or rejecting the other. In this spirit of mission, dioceses, uh, eparchies and parishes are to commit to building friendly and cooperative relationships with other Christian Christians, communities of other religious traditions, and people with no religion and to promote and exchange in the four forms of interreligious dialogue, dialogues of life, action, theological exchange, and religious experience. So this is, um, this is the Australian church reflecting what the, the wider church, the worldwide church is working on, and that is building relationships with other communities. So um, a parish having a relationship with, I don't know, a mosque, the local center for this, for that. I was reading a, oh, a book, I forgot what it's called. I'll try and remember what it is later. Anyway, it was a small book where um, where the author told about his re- he was Jewish or is Jewish I should say he was a sports writer and, and you know and that was his thing right he did lots of sports writing whatever and uh, there was a Jewish rabbi um, who was old and uh, and knew he was going to die at some point and um, he called him the Reb right the Reb the rabbi and the the rabbi said to him uh, I want you to write my eulogy for me. <laughs> All right, so he, he barely knew the guy, right? He's like, I want you to write my because you're because you're a writer, right? This guy's a sports writer because yeah. you're a writer, yeah. And yeah. so, um, so basically, this guy started spending time with the Reb and um and learning his story and learning about him and wrote a beautiful eulogy. It's in the book as well, if uh, if I can remember. It's such a good book too. Uh, anyway, um, the the point is though, he's telling a story. Uh, he told a story that uh that um there was a local Catholic church. And um, the Catholic priest in his homily said something that was pretty inflammatory about Jewish people, intentionally or unintentionally. It wasn't, it wasn't nice. It was wrong. I forgot what it was he said, but it wasn't good. The Reb went to, when he found out about it, he went to the church and he sat down and had a dialogue with the, with the priest. And what the two of them decided to do was to walk down past the parish and past the synagogue arm in arm with their arms linked. So, you know what I mean? This is linking with your local communities. That that priest might have said something because he wasn't aware enough about what it's like to be Jewish, or you know, or, or the things that you you know can and can't say about particular people of different religions. What what different religious people might you know? We, for example, there are things that people might say about about us and about God that we would find offensive. You know what I mean? And mm. and and, and yeah. incorrect and so on. And in the same way, we shouldn't be saying that about other religions if, if there's something that you know that's offensive or, or theologically incorrect and so on. Um, 
And so that act of solidarity was, you know, was powerful, wasn't it? This is linking up. And that goes again. Yeah. The church says um, in that in that document, the worldwide church and the Australian church says one of those points of action is theological exchange. So if you've got people who know a little bit about their faith, it's good for them to get together with people who know a bit about their faith and, and have an exchange too. And this is all about building the kingdom of God. You can't make Christ known and loved unless you're talking, have an opportunity to talk about Christ with others. Or we could just build barriers and make things worse. I mean, we've we have a choice, don't we? That the it's in our hands yeah, in a way. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is the spirit compelling us to do? So to get towards the end, therefore, the plenary council commits the church in Australia to being centered on Christ, with a baptismal identity and on a path of missionary discipleship. Good, I say. <laughs> it's what we it's what we always should be, but good to renew that that call that that we are. Um, this commitment involves the development of resources, formation, and education programs in the promotion of hospitality and counter dialogue and merciful responses to the needs of our society. It um, involves the church communities and entities promoting evangelization uh, through those things that I just mentioned. Uh, this endeavor includes meaningful analysis and challenges systems that perpetuate disadvantage and equality. Uh, sorry, I just lost my spot. All right. It also involves church communities, entities, and collaborative bodies developing a culture of inclusion in the structures and policies that demonstrate commitments to collaboration and co-responsibility, uh, to taking care to provide opportunities for those formed for leadership in the church, including seminaries, to exchange in dialogue with people who experience disadvantage or ex exclusion in both the church and in society. Uh, it also um, commits to dioceses and eparchies supporting, or eparchies, sorry about that, um, supporting parish uh, pastoral councils to establish opportunities to listen to people on the peripheries within the um, within and beyond parishes and to develop plans to overcome experiences of exclusion, lack of acceptance and other boundaries. So they're talking about uh, parish pastoral councils doing this and then being supported by a diocesan pastoral council as well, which I think is a great idea, setting up these councils in different dioceses. And also the development of long -term, a long-term plan to evangelize the community and catechize the faithful through dialogue within the church and wider, the wider community on areas including the sanctity of all life, the nature of the human person, sexuality, marriage and the family, better support for healthy marital and sexual lives, proclamation of the gospel through engagement in the public arena, and contribution to public debate on issues relating to marriage, sexuality, and social and ecological uh, justice. And then the decree is there. Um, so the first article is that those responsible for Catholic schooling and early education, early childhood education, in consultation with representatives of Catholic parents groups and parish-based organizations, establish a national forum which will, uh, which will seek to identify and respond to the needs of diverse, distinct circumstances of Catholic schools in Australia, build partnerships which enhance the vision of Catholic education as an instrument of evangelization. I'm not reading all of these word for word, by the way, I'm just summarizing. Uh, offer a process for critical reflection discernment of the vocation of Catholic education today. Thank you. <laughs> as a teacher, um, <laughs> support formation opportunities for catechesis, faith formation, leadership development, and religious education pedagogy, and to assist parish engagement with schools and young people. The second article um, uh, talks about providing opportunities for dialogue that will contribute to the ability of the church in Australia to attend, attend to examining the assignments of the times and interpreting them in the light of the gospel, identifying and exploring opportunities for evangelization through outreach and service. It just says here, addressing gaps, 
So we'll see what that means in the future. Seeking opportunities for collaboration and informing the development of local social teachings to be issued by the Australian bishops. And the third article and final one, uh, that each uh, diocese and eparchy identify ways of promoting ecumenical and interfaith relationships. And also that the Bishops Commission for Christian Union and Interreligious Dialogue in collaboration with tertiary institutions and theological associations provide guidance, advice, and, and resources to dioceses and eparchies for ecumenical and interfaith dialogue and relationships. So essentially, what does it all boil down to? All of us are missionary disciples. Let's go and be missionary disciples. And that's, that's that document. So Carolyn, any final thoughts on, on all of that? I'll just say, amen. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Yeah, same here, amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, anyone who's listening, um, whether in Australia or outside of Australia, we'd love to know your your thoughts on that as well, on that particular area of being missionary disciples. Maybe there's something you've heard about missionary discipleship, living out of baptism that wasn't in this document that you think should also be there or that you'd like us to share on the show. We would love to do that as well. So please go ahead and let us know. So with that in mind, that very lengthy document out of the way, Caroline, we're going to move over to you and we're going to talk about science. Ah, what a fine day for science. You have any hobbies? I collect spores, molds and fungus. Can you reverse the polarity? I'll do my best. So, Caroline, tell us about, now I hope I get this right, the Wollamai pine. Did I get that right? Yes, you got it right. Tell, about it, tell us about this fascinating plant. All right. So, okay, so we usually do a bit of a science topic, but I mean a space topic. But today I'm going to do a bit about, a bit about a, um, an ec- ecology and a conservation topic today. So the reason why I want to talk about the Wollamai pine is because I recently actually bought one for myself, <laughs> a yep. little baby one. And it's a tree that I've been wanting to buy for many years. Can I call However, it a dinosaur tree? They call it the dinosaur tree. Yes. Yes. That, and, and I'm going to explain why. Just, But the, the, the reason why um, I wanted to get this is because it's a fairly, fairly endangered plant, mm-hmm. right? And I remember hearing about it a while ago. And then I actually saw it with my own eyes in our local botanical gardens in, in yep. Berwick and then in Cranbourne, and I just fell in love with it. I thought, this is what it looks like. It's amazing. I need to have one. So eventually <laughs> I managed to source one and I bought myself one. Caroline, so, before you, let me stop you there. Is there a yeah. plant that you don't need to have? <laughs> like when you see a plant, you know, like every plant <laughs> you see, it's like, I need to have that. <laughs> I need to have that. And especially if it's a native, I'm so in love with native plants yep. that I, I have a lot of them in my garden and I she probably won't proof. stop by them. Yep. Yes, I yeah. have so <laughs> many. I just I've love seen them all. Caroline's plants. She loves them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have to. The thing is, I have to protect them from my chickens. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's Once right. they establish, it's okay. But until then, it's, it's a bit of a fight. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so let me talk to you about the Wollamine pine, and it is called. It is called the dinosaur tree. Its scientific name is called Wollemia nobilis. It's a rare evergreen member of the conifer family Aurocaraceae. I'm sorry to all botanists if I got that wrong. <laughs> um, it is the only member of its genus. 
They grow up to about 40 metres tall and become multi-stemmed with age, which makes them look amazing. Just a stunning, stunning tree. It really is. It's a, it's a beautiful it looking native tree, isn't it's, it? And it is prehistoric looking too. Yes, you, yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, It really is prehistoric looking. Um, I could imagine like a tall dinosaur, a, a, a herbivorous dinosaur just having a munch on the leaves, you know. Um, yes. Uh, there's a reason why they grew so tall, maybe, to <laughs> feed some dinosaurs. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. the the leaves are dark and strap-like. Its bark is reddish-brown and it's spongy and has a bubbly appearance. These trees actually lived about 90 million years ago with the dinosaurs in the Cretaceous period. It's actually now called a living fossil. It is one of the oldest and rarest plants in the world, and they were actually thought to be extinct. In 1994, a conservationist or a ranger, park ranger in Wollamai National Park called David Noble took a couple of his other ranger mates and actually I don't know if they were both rangers. I actually started reading a book about this last night. <laughs> but anyway, um, he was yes, you told me that you ordered a book about it too, yes, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Actually, if you want to read about the Wollamai Pine, it's called The Wollamai Pine by James Woodford and I got it on Amazon. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a really good fill-out story about how it was found and everything. So, yes, in 1994, David Noble and a couple of his mates were walking through the bush. Um, they were avid bushwalkers and hikers and abseilers in the Woolamai National Park, which is in New South Wales. Yep. And in the Blue Mountains. So, we've um, it's quite a popular area with the three sisters and, and all of that. Yes. Um, yep. And it's a protected area as well. So, eventually, they were... Uh, walking around, they were, then they found somewhere called the Absale and they came across a gully full of unusual trees and he'd never um, actually seen this tree before. Being a park ranger, he knew the area quite well and he knew all the vegetation and he hadn't seen this tree before. There were less than 100 mature trees in this area and they're thinking that these trees are hundreds to thousands of years old. Wow. Okay? They're yeah. quite well established. So David, he took some samples of his leaves, shoved it in his bum bag. You know, that's what he had on him at the <laughs> yep. time. You know, little thing that you strap around your waist and put What's stuff in. What's the actual in. name for that? We, in Australia, we call it a bum know. bag. It's like, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody can tell us. <laughs> we, have great, we have great names for things yeah, in Australia. We do. Yeah. We do. Yep. So, um, yeah, it's that, that purse thing that you strap around your waist. It's got a zip and you put money in usual, but he yeah. had obviously other stuff in there. Um, yep. So um, so he took it to some expert friends, botanist friends, who examined the samples. They had never seen this before either. So yeah, they only had them in the fossil record. Okay, so eventually some botanists, they kind of shared the specimen around to each other and eventually they were able to identify the plant as the Woolamai pine. And actually in, in the fossil record too, they have had specimens of pollen of other plants who lived at the time, which are very similar, and they were also living in the in this right. kind of period as well. So yeah. they were able to kind of verify that yes, this was a this is a plant that lived a very long time ago. So the site where this pine grows has actually been kept a secret. It's the only place yep. known on Earth where it grows. So it's a very big Good gorge. Yeah. Yes, and it is hard to get to. And the reason why it is protected is because. 
it's very easy for people who are walking through the area to carry diseases on their mm. shoes, for example, yeah, and yeah. it could they could easily get infected and wipe out the whole population. Also, yeah. you know, people lovingly, lovingly and by accident may damage the plants and, you know, whatever, may yeah. take a sample or, or whatever people do when they love something, you know. Yeah, I'll take a piece of that, yep. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And the, the good thing is you don't need to go and get a, a piece for yourself because they have been propagated successfully. Yes. Yep. So as, you know, as I, as I mentioned that I managed to buy a plant and this plant originated from this wall of my population, which is pretty cool. So yeah, you can actually buy the plant from nurseries in Australia. I found a local one near me. I forgot where it was, but it's not that far away. I actually bought it online and I bought the very smallest one because they are not cheap. Um, you can <laughs> yeah. buy very large ones and they just yeah. it just gets very expensive. But it's yes. all worth it um, because you can become involved in preserving the population and encouraging it to grow and increasing the population as well. So this population of plants actually came close to being burnt in the Black Summer fires in oh, 2019. Yes. So yep. in 2019, there were extensive fires in New South Wales, a mm-hmm. little bit in Victoria. Did it go up to Queensland? I can't remember. I think it, yeah. Usually but if it's it was, in New South Wales, it'll get to yeah. Queensland. Yeah, yeah. So they were really huge. And actually a lot of the Wollamai Park was burnt, unfortunately. Yes. And this is really unusual because it is, uh, you know, there's a lot of, um, ferns, it's usually quite moist. It's a really unusual event. So conservationists actually got together and they were able to protect the population. So they moistened the area with water through an irrigation system. So that's been put there now. There's a permanent irrigation system. And yep. they during the fires, they actually dropped with helicopters fire retardant in the area Mm. and the fire actually did reach the population but because of these measures the plants didn't die they were preserved yeah they there is there are images you can look this up on youtube and there are news um, clips of when this happened and there's there's vision of the fires getting to the plants but luckily the fire did not go up the trunks Mm. and, and burn the trees as you would normally expect so yeah without those protection measures, these trees would have been wiped out. This yeah. beautiful population, rare, thousands yes. of years old trees, yes. you know. Big sigh of relief. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's thought that these pines used to be more prevalent, perhaps when the temperature of the area was cooler, of, of, of the, you know, of everywhere in Australia was cooler. Yeah. <laughs> the climate's become hotter and drier. Um, if you live in Australia, you know how hot it can get here mm-hmm. in summer. It's very dry on occasion. Um, Not like that yeah. right now, but we know. <laughs> no, we're in a, El, was it La Nina at the moment. Yeah. Um, but when it's the other way around, it gets very, very dry. And, and you know, they think that past fires may have contributed to reducing the population a bit as mm. well. Uh, in the gorge where these pines live, the area is very cool and moist and it's just ideal for them to live. It's, it is a deep canyon and there's a lot of other native vegetation that is doing well over there as well. Mm. So conservations at, conservationists at the park have propagated and maintained three copies of each of these plants and they grow them in their nurseries. They're also being planted in wild locations to try and replicate the population in the wild. Awesome. 
the great thing about this work is that it's also being applied to other species of plants which may have reduced in population as well. Yeah, so the, the work that these guys are doing um, is also helping other species of plants. And I've kind of got the bug. I want to see if there are other <laughs> <laughs> um, plants out there that are native and um, are, you know, um, un- are threatened as well. So, yeah, yeah. And through prehistoric or even just threatened because, you know. Threatened, yeah, yes, yeah. Through our, if we just buy some of these plants, you know, it's mm. like an animal. I mean, I wish I could buy a koala and have it, but you just can't do I it. I bet so, you, yeah, yes, every animal you could. I would you have could, yeah. every endangered species yeah. here and, and look after them. But with and, plants, yeah. Yeah. yeah, with plants, I mean, they're native and yes, you yeah. can grow them and keep them at home and you are ensuring you know, future generations or you, I mean, cause they don't just have to breed, um, you know, naturally you can propagate yes. them and, and make more plants. And actually Lindsay, I was thinking when my plant grows larger, I'll make you, I've, I looked on the video on how to propagate and it's not that That was hard, my so question. Can, yeah. Yes. So I yep. was about to ask you, so for everyone who knows every, you know, I go to your house and uh, you've got a whole bunch of natives and you'll go, you can have this, you just like rip a piece off of this native and that native. And, and now we've got some growing, you know, in our little, um, Pergola area there as well. So I was going to ask you in terms of propagating a, a woolamite, yeah. do you just rip a piece off, or do you, is there a special technique that you are uh, you have to do in this case? Yeah, there is a technique. So what you do, you take uh, so that the leaves grow. I don't know how to explain it. See, imagine a fern leaf. Mm-hmm. It's similar to that, but the leaves are quite strappy and thick, so they're mm-hmm. not as fluffy as a fern. Um, yep. You just cut one of those off. Um, you hold up the leaf, you cut some of the greenery down the bottom so you have a stem um, and then you dip it into a hormone gel mm-hmm. and then you put it into a specialised mix. I think it's perlite and some uh, potting mix and you put it into a pot like that. Now the plant then has to keep very, very moist until mm-hmm. it establishes and you can cut a few leaves like that and hopefully you'll get something growing. It's not difficult but you do have to take care. you got to pay so, attention to um, it, don't you? That's right. The TLC, and yeah. Exactly. It does need love. So you can get there's like little planter, uh, you know how you have nurse, a seedling box. So yes, you've got yes, the yeah. tray and then a lid on top and yeah. you just keep it, they said 100% humidity so it's got to be wet mm, basically wet. yes yeah 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 and you leave a little bit of air but it does have to be moist and yeah you mm. can propagate it yourself and and make some for your friends so yeah. <laughs> share the love um, yeah but yeah but I'd also to um, helping to preserve like you said before ever just by you, you get two things you get to preserve um a plant that's endangered so play your yes. part and you yeah. get to enjoy it as well because that's exactly. the, you know the, you get to enjoy the, another beautiful plant amongst all the others. That's right. And they are stunning. You have a plant that is prehistoric, actually yes. prehistoric. It has a story, yeah. Uh, has a story. It yeah. lived with the dinosaurs, was probably mm. eaten by dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a beautiful plant. You can either grow it in your garden. Now, I would suggest if you have a very large garden, otherwise, because mm. it's a very large, it can get very huge. Yes. Um, otherwise, it can be grown in a large pot and you can pot it say like repot it every 10 years or so and it'll be happy in there so that will be what I'm doing because I do not have a large garden (laughs) I do cram it full of plants as much as I can but (laughs) this one will be in a pot yeah 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 I, I was um I would have joked that your backyard is turning into Jurassic Park, but it actually is now with the inclusion of this plant. I have two two um, little chickens who are practically dinosaurs. Yeah, that's right. You've got <laughs> they your little raptors. They descended from the yeah. dinosaurs. Feathery, yeah, they were little raptors. raptors. Yeah, that's exactly. right. Exactly, yeah. and um, they live up to their name of dinosaur. I tell you. So yeah, I I just really 
yeah, I just really love this plant and um, we encourage anyone, you know, especially in Australia where they're where you can buy them to get one and love it and enjoy it. Um, it's funny because we thought this was going to be a short segment on plants. Look how excited we got about it. <laughs> well, that's true, isn't it? I mean, it, it, there's so much to um, talk about with this plant and, and, you know, you could just keep going and going <laughs> about yeah. it. I think about it. last episode we talked about the wonder of, the James Webb Space Telescope and how amazing yes. those images are. Yeah. Now we're talking about the wonder of this amazing prehistoric oh, plant. This is the beauty of right. science, isn't it? This is it is. Yeah, there's so much science out there about everything. Um, mm. You know, um, from the very amazing and mind blowing of space to the mm. the small but beautiful and still biologically significant um, scientific plant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, it's the amazement, I think, and the wonder of creation again, but on a, like you said, on a small level, but in, in yeah. a way, again, thinking that you could touch a plant that, you know, existed in the times of dinosaurs or who's, you know, or, you know, earlier versions of it did at least anyway, but yeah. it's, it's, it comes from a prehistoric place and it survived that long. Yeah. And it has a story too. You know, it was it discovered. Does. There's a yes. secret place that we can't go to where they, yes. you know, they, you know, that, so it has a story as well, which is, I think, quite amazing. And that's, exactly. that's, you know, that's the beauty of, of science giving us um, the ability to understand the story of this thing rather than go, oh, look, there's another plant. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that, Carl. I loved that topic. Um, let's move on now and let's talk about what's entertaining us. Not what we came here to do. No. What is what I'm going to do? I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? All right, Caroline, I'm going to throw it over to you. You've been a bit <laughs> of a nerd, as you've uh, as you're telling us. So yes. tell us about Time Team episodes on YouTube. <laughs> I've been geeking out of it this week, as you know, as you can hear, I've been a little bit unwell. So I've been binge watching Time Team on YouTube. So Time Team is uh, a UK produced um, uh, documentary series or uh, TV series. Um, it was Channel 4 in the UK. Um, and it was actually... Um, uh, presented by Tony Robbins. Is it right? Robbins or Robinson? I forgot now. But he was uh, in Blackadder. Tony Robinson. Robinson, that's right. Yeah. And he was in Blackadder. He pulled, played Baldrick, you know, and if anyone <laughs> has watched those series. Um, yeah. But he's actually a real archaeological archaeology fan. And um, this, yes, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm struggling today. <laughs> Um, so he um, and a group of archaeologists go to different archaeological sites in the UK, all over the UK, and mm. they will start a dig. They have three days. Um, they'll get a tip from a local or somebody who wants them to investigate something more. And and they've been to some amazing sites. So they go from the Roman to the Iron Age to the Bronze Age to the Neolithic to the Mesolithic, all the eras of wow. human yeah, yeah. inhabitation of the UK. And the things they find is actually amazing. Um, they really get a good good idea of, uh, human inhabita habitation of that area from the very first people that went that 
that lived on the land to to now. And, you know, they've just come up with some amazing things. I guess everybody loves the Romans, you know, they dig up many Roman villas and Mm. um, things with the beautiful mosaic floors and they find the heating, underfloor heating systems and all of that. And um, I love to when they find something from the... Like the Iron Age and the Iron Age coins, which I didn't even know they had coins in the Iron Age, (laughs) Um, you know, and this was before the Roman occupation and they kind of can put a picture of when the Romans came to to Britain and, um, you know, they just tell a whole story anyway. And so, yeah, I've just been really having a good time um, learning more about sorry about about the history of the UK through this archaeological series. So. Yep, that's yeah. been me. <laughs> yeah. That's really good, though. Yeah, I yeah. like the idea. I mean, what is it? Even our mother, you know, she's always oh, yes. like recommending and sending us links to that's you know, right. historical things. I mean, things Mum and, and I yeah. used to watch this when it was on TV ages ago. I mean, the series yeah. has stopped now, but there were a lot of episodes that I haven't seen. We were in the later episodes, and they were yeah. some of the more exciting ones. I mean, there was a cave, there were a couple of caves that they. Um, went into and they uncovered um, evidence of the Picts. So they were in yep. Scotland yes. there. And the Picts, um, the only thing we really know about them are the Roman accounts of them saying that they were people with either tattoos or drawings or something all over them and they were quite fierce and they had to fight mm-hmm. them. And they left behind amazing artwork in the stone and there's some yep. jewellery and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. you can actually learn quite a lot <laughs> um, yeah, watching definitely, these yeah. series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, really she came. Mum came over a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. we were uh, we were um, chilling out, and then we happened to be talking about history archaeology or something. Mm-hmm. And she said, "Oh, have you heard of Neil Oliver?" And uh, so yes, yes. we we popped on one of his podcasts on YouTube mm-hmm. on the TV. And and, yeah. and the good thing, you know, what I liked about Neil. First of all, his uh, we, it was just about an old boat, right? He, he got yes, excited by yes. this old fishing I, boat, yeah, and was telling us all about was it. Was it the you know, Dover like, boat? I think it was the Dover boat, something like that. Yes, yeah, they found yes. it under a. They were going to dig a freeway or put a freeway yeah, up, but they but it. they were obliged to do a very quick archaeological, and they yes, found it. So, right. uh, yeah, so there was that, and he's very passionate, which I like. But it doubles mm. as very informative, but with his voice, it's almost like a meditation tape as well. Yes, he's got oh, that relaxing Scottish accent. You know, this, can I yeah. tell you something? I've been actually yeah. listening to it at night time before I sleep because <laughs> um, yeah. he's doing a hundred and one love letters to uh, Britain, like one hundred and one places. That he he's talking yes. about, yeah. And I mean, he also did a series called Coast. Do you remember Coast. that yes. one? Yeah, on Australian yeah. coasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, he's done one of the UK. So I remember yeah. watching the UK one, and yeah, he's an amazing uh, archaeolo- yeah. archaeologist and um, documentarian as well. So mm. yeah, he's, he managed he's to get one. people excited about yes. coasts. Yeah, he did, coastlines, which I you know, just which is great. Coast, yeah. But there's so much in the yeah. coast. It's, yeah, it's that's amazing. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I really yeah, wish there were more. I mean, because. I love learning about the UK. I think it's fascinating. Mm. You like, you yeah. know, I love learning the history of Britain and, so much and history. everything yeah, yeah. about it. But I'd love to learn more about, say, Australia, for example. Yeah. Um, yep. Even Malta, where we come from. We know there's mm. heaps of history, but it's very there's hard to find good documentaries yes, yeah, yeah. about it. Like, I yes. wish there were other people so passionate that that mm. we would have this kind of information. You know, I mean, there's yes. Egypt. Everybody loves Egypt. Le- yes, learning yep. about Egypt. 
and all of that and uh, even yeah. South America and all of that. But yeah, and even no. Israel, the history, yeah, you know, some of the things exactly. I saw there, like digs and whatever, like oh, these places yes. are amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but we yes. learn through documentaries. So the more documentaries we can, we can watch, the better. So yeah. totally geeking out this week. Yep. <laughs> totally. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I'll just talk about mine quickly. So very quickly, yeah. I talked about uh, that book before in the in our Faith Beyond Borders segment. I managed yep. to Google it. So it's by an author called Mitch Oblom, and it's called Have a Little Faith. And I, from mm-hmm. memory, it was a small book. It's a very quick read. Anyway, so... Uh, that that was the one I was I, I was trying to get <laughs> trying to say before uh, about the Jewish the Jewish guy had to write the eulogy. So I'll put that aside. Um, so Caroline, another one that you and I have both been watching is the Orville. Yeah. Yes. Uh, how far? Yeah. So I'm up to the at at time of recording the ninth episode. I think there's one more to go. How far have you got so far into season three? I don't think three? I'm up to number nine yet. I think I've watched about yeah. four, five, or six episodes. Yeah, they're quite long. They're lengthy episodes now. They are long, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I've been geeking out this week, so all of that fiction has been out the window. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I've been enjoying it. They um, so the Orville is dev- it started off as you know season one. It was quite comedic. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's like mm-hmm. it, it was it was always for me. It's like a copy of the Next Generation. Um, yes. But they had to put comedy. You know, there's a whole story about why they had to make yeah, it comedic yeah. and not get sued by Paramount and whatever. <laughs> um, and you know, and it was good. Some of it was a bit childish. You know, yes, kind of, of adult course. humor. And you just overlook that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, season two it developed, and then season three. I feel like it's matured. It, totally. Like, it, like the storytelling is amazing. Like I have not 100%. seen an episode that I haven't liked yet. Yeah. Um and it's been a good combination of of drama, of, you know, examining social issues, of of action and, you know, yeah. space battles fun, and all that. Fun with yeah. topics as well. Like a little bit yeah. what what is that one? Um Oh, it's like the the ship gets invaded, and it's a bit like a horror sort of thriller, not yeah. horror, thriller sort of type episode. Yeah, where people are yeah. sort of being converted, like their bodies are being converted yes, into that's those. The one. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So different genres, yeah, that they're exploring. Yeah, yeah. a bit, a bit like what uh, Strange New Worlds did, where every episode was mm. a different genre, pretty much yeah, in the first season. Yeah, which I yeah. still need to get my hands on to watch the rest of. <laughs> oh, we'll talk. We'll talk. All right, yeah, we'll yeah. Out. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, might have to share some. Might have to share an Amazon account. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about <laughs> yeah. that later. Yeah, Don't let the yeah, Amazon hear us. Not yeah. for pot. Yeah, Oops, <laughs> they monitoring this. Yeah. Whoops. Sorry, Jeff Bezos. Uh, yeah. So um. Yeah, but I've been enjoying it a lot. It, you know, the um what's interesting is that I think it explores the social issues, you know, fairly. It's it's just uh you know, obviously it's from a, a particular perspective, but it's been uh, the the acting has carried it really well. It's interesting mm-hmm. that you know Bortus, he's a I'm starting to oh, like his character a lot actually. He's, he's yeah. He he seems like it, early on and there were some serious episodes with him early on, but generally he was more comic relief. Mm, but, mm. you know, like there was that great scene in one of the episodes. I think it was season two. Um, there was this great scene where they're at, oh, yeah, it was for, you know, when Isaac left the ship, you know, yeah. at, and when his race became evil and whatever. Yeah, there was, yeah. a, um, there was a, a scene where they had a going away party for him and um, there's a cake and Bordas goes up to the cake and Tyler's like, would you like some cake? And he's, he goes, Yes. And she's like, uh, she's about to take a slice. He goes, I don't want that piece. And she goes, what do you want? He goes, I, I want a corner piece. And, and, she, and like, he wants to hurry her along before someone offers him a different piece. And then someone gives him a piece of cake that he doesn't want. Yeah, and he's like, I hate no. parties. You know, yeah. Just like, yeah. So he, he was comic relief. But then he get, you know, so but great. then they developed his character quite well. Mm-hmm. And there was some, mm-hmm. yeah, some really powerful episodes it with him. The epi- so. Yeah, the one where he had a child. 
as well, and it was a girl. Yeah. And it's not supposed yeah, the, to have girls issue, on their planet. Yeah. yeah. Mocklin culture and all that. Yeah. That's it. Well, there's funny yeah. part where the captain goes in and sits down for the evening and has entertainment with him and his partner. I forgot the partner's oh. name. Yes, and with the game. game. Yes. What yeah, is that yeah. game where they hold yeah, they like pass an the ball object around. Yes. and then it ends yeah. up putting a spike through the, yeah. his hand? It's, like, and yeah, it's all like, about cultural exchange, you know. Oh, and then it, yeah, and so that, it goes through his hand and they're like, yay. Yay. And he's yes. like, oh, no. <laughs> he's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. You've got to watch yeah. it. Yeah. So it's a good series. It's, it's entertaining, you know. Watch it, it with, you know, watch it carefully, but, you know, enjoy it as well. There's, yeah. Like I said, I mean, I wouldn't, you'd, I wouldn't watch this with my kids because there's – Things they talk about and humour that comes across as that's it's not for children, but yeah. uh, it's generally very well put together. Mm. And I think uh, I did see on SQPN's oh no, was it on SQPN's Discord that they were planning on doing an episode on the Orville and secrets mm. of movies and TV shows at some cool. point. So I'm sure that will be a good discussion. It will. Um, and the la- yeah, the last one I want to bring up is a game. Actually, it's called Fall Guys. So it's a free game. And you can play it on PC, you can play it on, you know, on consoles. And I think you can play it on iPads and phones. I, don't quote me on that one, but it's it's pretty much everywhere. Um, and it's a free one. And it's basically, uh, it, it's, um, you compete against people all over the world in doing obstacle courses. So if you think of the, the closest comparison I can think of is Mario Party on Nintendo. Oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, Mar- was it Mario Party? Oh, the one where, yeah. And you know, those mini games yeah. they have. Yeah. Mini yeah. Games. So it's like yeah. that. It's like playing yeah. those mini games in a, in a way. So there are obstacle courses where you have to run through like, it's non-violent too, which is good. You know, run through medieval gauntlets and you know, if you get hit by something, it knocks you. It doesn't like, you know, cut you to pieces or anything like that. So it, it's, it's fun like that. So that can be played by anyone. And then it's got survival things where, you know, you've got to stand on a platform and not fall into the slime, you know, be one of the last ones standing. <laughs> and so it's, it's very much that Mario Party kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's really good. And then obviously you can, you know, you can customize your character. And then I think then there's a paid thing where you can buy costumes and not that I'm going to do that, but they're, they're, they're obviously they've got to make money somehow. Um, but yeah, Fall Guys, it's a lot of fun um, and I, I recommend it, but be careful. It is a time waster. It will. It's a time thief <laughs> and you can end up spending a few hours more on it than you expected. So just be careful on that. Isn't that the point um, of games? Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yes, so. um, but what, what I do love about it is the social thing. You can play it with your family. You know, like even Alexander, he's four. He has no idea how to play it, but he finds it really funny. You know, he's like, Daddy, you jumped on that one. Daddy, you got hit by it. You know, he, he gets really excited. So um, yeah, anyone can play it and I, I highly recommend it. So awesome. uh, with that, yeah, I think it's time for us to, to wrap up the show, Caroline. So um, before we go today, uh, we want to thank you all for joining us for episode 81 of the Catholics of Oz. And we would love to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the show. Today, we would love to thank Sean T, David S, Mark L, Robert C and Chris E. Through their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give, they make it possible for the Catholics of Oz and all of the other shows on StarQuest to continue. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Also, we'd love to know what you think about the topics in today's show, so make your own contributions. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us feedback by visiting sqpn.com slash oz, where you can also find our show notes and links from today's episode. While you're on SQPN's website, don't forget to sign up for the Insiders Club newsletter to get updates about your favorite shows, sqpn.com slash about slash newsletter. And don't forget, if you are able to, to sign up to SQPN's Discord, where you can chat with people who are on different shows and also chat with people who listen to those shows as well. That's completely free, sqpn.com slash Discord. You can find um, all the shows 
from StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash StarQuestMedia or on Twitter at SQPN or look for, um, look for SQPN on Instagram. And don't forget, we have our own little Facebook page as well, facebook.com slash Catholics of Oz, spelt O-Z at the end there. And you can also email us your feedback at Catholics of Oz at SQPN.com. Caroline, thank you so much for joining me for this episode 81 of the Catholics of Oz. Thank you. It was fun as usual. I'm sorry about my voice. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. And uh, Lino, we expect to see you back on episode 82 after your holiday, but we don't want to hear about it. I know you're hearing this. We don't want to hear about it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, once again, I'm Lindsay Sand, and thank you so much for listening to episode 81 of the Catholics of Oz on StarQuest. Quest.